0: Sensible Chat. Budgeting made easy. Really? Easy. Welcome to Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby, the show that is all about budgeting, smart spending, and saving. Today, we're going to talk about saving versus insurance and how to budget for both. Our guest professor for Sensible University is Andrew Rose, president and CEO of Compare.com, who will teach you how to protect your vehicle without breaking the bank. And be sure to stick around after class for Saving Secrets, where you'll learn a new tip you can use today. So let's get to the money. Let's get to the business. Here's the hero of hard assets, the generator of greenbacks, the sensei of savings. It is Sensible Bobby.
1: Thanks, Scott. And welcome back to the chat room. I want to talk a little bit about saving versus insurance because a lot of us have the tendency to rely on one or the other to feel secure. But if you look at it a bit deeper, not having both can put you in jeopardy and not seeing the value in either can put you in even more jeopardy. So let's delve into this. Some people feel that insurance is just a money grab, a way for companies to scare us into spending money for something that may never happen. And it's true that you may never need the insurance you buy. So is it worth it? Let's look at them one by one, beginning with car insurance. Well, it's the law, so right there I consider it worth it. Secondly, though, I don't have enough money in savings to replace my car if something happens to it, and I choose not to take the risk of something happening before I have time to save enough to replace it. So car insurance is worth it to me. I can rest easy knowing that if something does happen to my car, I'll have help getting it fixed or getting another car so I can continue to go to work and provide for my family. Now, what about health insurance? The individual mandate is gone, which means it's no longer the law to have it. So should you skip it? Well, if you're young and healthy, you might think it's a waste of money. But if you were in an accident or suddenly got very ill, would you have the money to pay for medical care? According to CNBC.com, two-thirds of people who file for bankruptcy cite medical issues as a key contributor to their downfall. Now, believe me, I know how hard it is to get decent health insurance at an affordable price, but do you have the money in savings to cover unexpected medical bills? And can you save enough in a reasonable amount of time? If not, keep shopping around for the best coverage you can find. As for homeowners and renters insurance, here's where it gets really sticky. Most homeowners see the benefit in at least some insurance, but do they really understand what's covered? I've heard so many stories about people's homes being devastated by a flood, tornado, hurricane, or earthquake, and they think their homeowners insurance will pay for the damages. Then they find out they needed a whole different kind of insurance for that. Sometimes it's not quite that dire, but if you don't understand the coverage you have, you could get a very rude awakening when you're already in crisis. And many renters don't even think they need renter's insurance because they're covered by their landlord's insurance, right? (laughs) Not necessarily. Once again, it's very important to find out what coverage you truly have and what you don't have. The list goes on. Disability insurance is another important one, especially if you have others who are financially dependent on you. If you can't work anymore, do you have enough money saved to provide the necessities? Same thing for life insurance. I used to think I couldn't afford all these different types of insurance. I was in the poor mindset and believed insurance was for rich people. But if you think about it, the less money you have, the more you really need insurance. The whole purpose of any insurance is to provide resources in times when the financial burden is too much to bear. I know they're not fun, and it's a bummer to buy something you hope you'll never have to use. But it is peace of mind, and if you don't have it, it could be financially devastating. In most cases, unless you have a lot of money, you're not going to have enough to self-insure. But buying the insurance and leaving it at that can also be short-sighted. Why? Deductibles. It's funny, but in the moment we're buying insurance, we're looking for the cheapest premium available, right? And in many cases, one of the easiest ways to get that premium down is to choose a higher deductible. Fine, but if you're going to do that, you'd better make sure you can pay the deductible if the time ever comes. What's the benefit of having car insurance with a $2,000 deductible if you can't pay the $2,000? Now you've paid your premium for nothing because your insurance isn't going to kick in until you pay that deductible. So when deciding what insurance to buy, figure in the deductible to the price and start saving for it today. Car insurance premiums are one of the biggest budget busters out there because they're easily forgotten. Many people pay their insurance every six months, but it's a big chunk of money. So when the bill comes, there may not be enough laying around to pay it. So break it down into monthly payments and treat it like a bill every month. Then you'll have the entire amount saved when it comes due. Do this with your deductible as well. Decide how fast you can save for it, then do the math. If your deductible is $1,000 and you want to have it saved in a year, divide 1000 by 12, which is almost $84. So save $84 per month and you'll have your deductible in a year. But make sure to leave it alone. If you're lucky, that money will sit in your savings account for three years doing nothing. But the minute you use it for something else, you'll need it to pay that deductible. As for the amount you spend on car insurance, your options might surprise you. But I'm going to let our guest professor shed more light on that subject.
0: Okay, class, grab your pencils and calculators because Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is Andrew Rose, president and CEO of Compare.com, a comparison site for car insurance which he founded in 2012 bringing with him 12 years of experience working with high-profile insurance companies like Progressive, Countrywide, and Elephant Insurance. Compare.com was built out of a desire to make finding the best price on car insurance a much easier, much quicker process.
1: Andrew, thank you so much for being our guest professor today. Pleasure to be here. Give me a quick overview of what Compare.com is and why you started the company.
2: Well, we'll start with why you started the company. I grew up in the mountains of West Virginia, product of a you know single mother working her tail off, and we had struggled to make ends meet. And I started seeing statistics uh, out there, and I think I'll get these right right now. Fifty-seven percent of the U.S. population has less than a thousand dollars savings. Thirty-nine percent have none. And I, as I talked to my mother about growing up. I said, did you ever shop your auto insurance? And her answer was no. And being in the auto insurance business, I recognized that people are leaving on a household basis, hundreds as a country, billions of dollars on the table. And so I knew if I could help people find some savings, keep great companies, keep great coverage, but find it for a little bit less money, um, this could be something that could be a very good business but also something that could do a lot of good for people as well. So we created Compare.com. And the easiest way to think about Compare.com is you know what auto insurance is. You know what a Kayak, Travelocity, Expedia, Orbitz, those are. We are Kayak for auto insurance. We make it simple for consumers to come enter their details once and get accurate quotes from the insurance companies. That's what we do.
1: So do you actually get better deals than the general public would because of your relationship with these companies, or is it just about saving people the hassle of shopping around for insurance?
2: That's a great question. Insurance is a regulated business, and so from that standpoint, you should be able to get only one price from every insurance company. Now, the prices will be very different from insurance company to insurance company. So from that standpoint, to answer your question directly, we don't get any special deals. But what we do is we make it much easier for consumers to see all the deals that are out there uh, available to them as consumers, saving them the time and energy. Most folks are going to, after they get through two or three quotes, go, oh, auto insurance is no fun. I'll just stop here. Well, there's 300 insurance companies in the United States. The chances of you finding the absolute best one for you, price, product, and brand, in those first three quotes, quite small.
1: Now, why does the price of insurance vary so much from company to company? I mean, based on the same things, you would think, again, you would just find one price for whatever you're looking for, and that would be it, right?
2: Exactly as you described it, that's the way it makes sense to folks. But that's not the way insurance companies actually do it. Everybody has their own secret sauce, their own mathematical formula. And they weight certain things a little higher than others, other things a little bit lower. And so because of that, You never know exactly who's going to give you the best deal. I'll give you an interesting statistic from our website. The most competitive insurance company, that would be the insurance company with the lowest prices, is only the lowest 12% of the time. That means 88% of the time it's some other company. And so that's why you've got to shop around, and the disparity between the prices is enormous. For example, on average, you know, households tend to have two point three you know vehicles on average. So the lowest average rate you see on our site is eighteen hundred dollars. Position five. That means you got the, that's the lowest price than another carrier in two, another carrier in three and four, and then subsequently five. Carrier five on average is more than $1,500 more. So it really pays to shop because if you only, if you've had an insurance company for many years, you only shopped a couple when you shopped last time, the chances that you hit number one and not number 10 or number eight or number four is pretty high.
1: So does this mean that we should shop around like every year for new insurance? I mean, you know, like you said, people don't a lot of times want to spend that time and especially if they're comfortable with their insurance company. But it sounds like the prices are so varying, it might be worthwhile. But how often do you recommend that people shop around for insurance?
2: Well, you should shop each time your situation changes. So if you move, if you get a new vehicle, if you add a new driver, a ticket ages off. Those kinds of things can have big impacts. We're we'll talking a little bit about credit. That's another one that can have an enormous impact. If you do a robust, thorough shopping experience, and that would be using Compare.com and maybe a couple other websites, and you choose you know, the best insurer for you, you can take a year or two off. If you're not doing you know, that kind of a detailed search, you need to be shopping all the time. Insurance companies change their prices regularly, but from that standpoint, they don't change them massively in any individual year. So if you've done a good job, you can take a year or two off and then it's time to do another check just to make sure that you're getting the right company at the right price.
1: So what are the main factors that insurance companies base their rates on?
2: They look at two parts, who's the driver, who's the vehicle. And so as you might expect, if you're driving a Lamborghini versus an entry-level Kia, those make an enormous difference. So the vehicle does, and the age of the vehicle makes a, a big difference as well. The coverage limits that you select for you, your policy, and those vehicles. Also make a big difference. You know, do you want it to be a liability only policy? That means covering anybody that you happen to hit. Or do you also want to cover the car that you own and that you're driving as well? That can make a big difference. Now, once you get into the individual side of it, and this actually makes an enormous difference, a couple of big factors play in there. One of them is age. And it's sort of a two sided, uh, you know, a J shaped curve, if you want to think about it that way. When you are a youthful, as my son who just turned 16 is, you have no experience, which means you're just a wreck waiting to happen. And so at that standpoint, they're going to charge you a lot more when you're young. As you get very, very old, your reaction times slow down there as well. And so they're going to charge you more there. In between, you get your absolute best rates. Now, all that's great, but let's get to the factor that actually has the single biggest impact on your prices. And it's something called an insurance score. And it's north of 95% of insurance companies use this. Now, what is an insurance score? It is your credit information used differently than a credit score, but in a similar manner. It takes the financial responsibility you demonstrate in your financial life and says, hey, there's a correlation between good financial responsibility and good driving responsibility. So if you have tend to have bad credit, you're going to pay a whole heck of a lot more for insurance. If you've got really good credit, you're going to tend to pay a whole lot less for it. It's the single biggest factor. So if you're out there monitoring your credit and it improves dramatically, shop your insurance. It likely will have gone down.
1: Wow. I had no idea that your credit score could affect your insurance rates. Single
2: biggest factor is the insurance score.
1: Now, this is another odd thing that I saw somewhere that you suggested that men typically pay more for car insurance than women. Why is that and how can men avoid paying more?
2: (laughs) The first answer is shop. You know, you're going to hear me say that one over and over and over again. The best way to make sure you're paying the least is to shop. It is historically true that men pay more for uh, auto insurance than women, all else being equal. And what the insurance companies ultimately do is they say, how much is this person going to cost me? And men cost them more than women. We will tend to get into more accidents that cost more money. And women will tend to get into fewer accidents that cost less money. So it just makes sense. They're they're basing it off of just pure math. I want to know how much this person's going to cost me. And so as a result, Men in general are charged more. Now, you're going to find some states now, and I think California was the first one that banned gender-based pricing. They effectively eliminated that as a rating variable, telling the insurance companies, even if it's predictive, and what they mean by predictive is you can vary the price to cover the different um, loss costs you're going to see, they said we're not allowing it. California does the same thing. They don't allow insurance score in that state. And so this is a state by state regulated business. And so as a result, you're going to end up having to figure out what the rules are for your each individual state.
1: And I'm sure that information is available on your website, correct? Absolutely. You jump on our website, we'll help uh, educate you as much as you
2: want to learn about auto insurance. As we found, you know, most folks say, hey, Just give me the, you know, the highlights here and then I'll take it from there. I'll do the shopping and I'll make good decisions uh, there. There's not too many folks out there that are dying to learn the intricate details of auto insurance. (laughs) Right
1: Now, going back for a minute to the credit score, does that mean that certain people would be, let's say that they started out with an insurance company and their credit score has gone down significantly since they started. Would they be better off then to stay with that insurance company, given that they already have insurance? Or is that something that the insurance companies look at every year when they do a new policy Policy, so it really, uh, you can't get away from that.
2: Some look, some don't. The easiest thing, and you're going to hate me because I'm going to keep coming back to that one word, <laughs> shop. Right. I mean, you can look, you know, from your standpoint, if you've got your current insurance company, you know what that current price is. You just go out there and say, all right, let me see what the, all the other guys want to charge me. You'll either find out, man, I'm making a killing right now. This is great. Or. I've been getting ripped off. I mean, we had examples as new hires start with us. You know, they'll tend to come in and they go, I work for Compare.com. I better quote my insurance. Not kidding. We have examples in the office where somebody saved $4,000. Saved. Now, you know, for me, I didn't know you could pay $4,000 for yeah. insurance, but this was, this was a, you know, a mother, father, and some teenage uh, you know, kids, two teenage boys. And they were paying $6,000 a year. And she came in, quoted on our site, and was like, somebody wants me the exact same coverages, the exact same vehicles, the exact same drivers for $4,000 left. And she was kicking herself. She's like, you know, I know I could have gone on some great vacations for $4,000 a year. And
1: uh, that was money left on the table. Unbelievable. So great to know that you can, you know, actually shop around and save all that money. That's a Absolutely.
2: Particularly if you're paying a lot. Uh, you know, this is just a, it's a great thing to do. And I'm not saying only shop on uh, compare.com. We certainly make it easy, but if you don't find the insurance company that you want on our site, go quote them as well. Add them into your mix. Ultimately, it's about you finding the right company, the right coverage at the right price.
1: Now, sometimes people confuse deductibles with premiums. So let's talk about the difference between those two.
2: Yeah, this is uh, you get all kinds of insurance vernacular that you just don't want to understand, but you need to. You at least got to have the basics there. So premium is what you pay. That's the entire amount of cash that you send to the insurance companies. And the parts that you have differences are are the limits of liability. And again, that's the stuff that protects the people that you might hit. And you will see on your insurance policy, things like 2550 or 5100 or one hundred three hundred, And all those are thousands. And that's how much the insurance company will cover you per person, per accident, should you get into an accident. And then anything above that, it comes back to you as a person as a household, as somebody who has to cover the rest of those costs. So depending on how many assets you have, you want to have the highest limits that you can afford. So that covers one side of it. That's the liability side. When you get to the physical damage, that's the stuff that protects your vehicles. If they get into uh, an accident, um, if you end up hitting somebody, those have deductibles and they can go all the way from zero dollars up to thousands of dollars. And they vary. And that basically is how much do you have to pay out of pocket before the insurance company takes over repairing your vehicle? So you got to decide how much am I willing to do? The more you're willing to pay out of pocket, the lower the insurance price will be, the lower the premium will be. The more you want the insurance company to cover automatically, the higher your prices will be.
1: And it would seem that a lot of people might be tempted to just, you know, take whatever the lowest premium amount is that they have to pay out of pocket to the insurance company for their insurance policy. But that could backfire on them if there is no money available for that high deductible if they ever need it. So how does a person decide where the happy medium is between what kind of deductible they should carry and what kind of premium they should pay for, you know, the privilege of having a lower deductible?
2: absolutely so you need to when you're shopping see how much the incremental coverage would cost you so let's start with the liability side of things and you go the minimum limits in the state are 2550 what does it cost me to go to 5100 now you say oh i'm doubling my coverage you're not going to double your price if you go from the 2550 up to the 100 300 you go oh i'm 4 xing and 6 xing the coverage there you know am i going to 4x and 6x the price no it might only go on up 20 30 40% And so you need to look at what the incremental cost is for that incremental bit of coverage. And then the same thing applies to the deductibles. Now, that's a little bit harder because it's an unknown out there. You go, you know, if I'm getting into a wreck three years from now, how much money am I going to have in my savings account? You got to see how much more it costs you to have that lower deductible. I tell folks in general, as your vehicle ages particularly once it is off of a loan, because usually when it's on a loan, the bank will dictate how much coverage they want. But once it's off of a loan, up your deductibles, meaning you'll pay more and more out of pocket because the price differential you'll pay for that added coverage really isn't worth it when you think about how infrequent accidents ultimately occur. So the main advice I give you are two things. You got to look at how much the prices are and factor in your budget, what works there. And as your vehicles get older, raise your deductibles.
1: Now, the other thing that can be really confusing for a lot of people when it comes to car insurance is confusion about what you're actually being covered for. And I always hear a lot of confusion between collision and comprehensive. Can you explain the difference between those two?
2: Certainly. So both of those coverages cover your vehicle. So you're driving down the road and you happen to run into the back of another car. So physical damage coverages, that cover your vehicle. That kind of accident where you have hit another vehicle, you've hit a fence post, you whatever it may be, is collision. Now, comprehensive, uh, I'm not going to try to cover all the pantheon of things that are there, but I'll give you two examples. Your car right now is sitting out in the driveway and a tree falls on it or there's a hailstorm, or, you know, from that standpoint, uh, and, and you hit an animal. Those kinds of losses are covered under comprehensive. So there's sort of two categories of losses. This is not an exact uh, way of saying it, but one is is one when your vehicle is in motion, and one is when your vehicle is not in motion. That's a simple way of thinking about it.
1: Now, are there other types of coverage that people often think they have when they actually do not?
2: Well, there's so many coverages. Sadly, auto insurance in the United States is very, very complex. There's a couple of other coverages that I think people should be aware of. And like it or not, there are people out there driving without insurance. And you will see coverages called UM or UIM. What in the world are these vernaculars? They mean uninsured or underinsured. Let's keep it simple and just talk about the uninsured. So that person that hit you, If they didn't have insurance, you're kind of stuck because your policy is not necessarily going to cover it because, Mm -hmm. you know, you weren't at fault here. You might be able to get some of your collision to cover that, but they're going to try to subrogate, go back after that individual. If you have uninsured motorist coverage, your insurance company says, if that happens to happen, we got you covered. Now, you got to pay for it just like anything else. But those can be important things, particularly with states where they have a high uninsured population. And you can go on the Internet and find out, is your state one of those? Even if your state has a very low population of uninsured motorists, you could still end up in a situation where you get hit by an uninsured motorist. Another one that people often think they have, but they might not, is towing and rental. So, you know, those are extra coverages you add on. So if you get into an accident and you have collision coverage, your insurance company says, great, you pay your deductible, put it into the shop, we'll get it repaired. You go, okay, well, what about in the meantime, what am I going to drive? Well, if you had rental coverage, they're going to provide you a vehicle. If you don't, you're on your own. So you want to go through all those little insurance coverages and they're going to cost you a little bit of money, but a lot of them are uh, quite important, particularly when it comes to claims time.
1: Now, if you're going to finance a car, you're going to need full coverage to drive it off the lot. So what does full coverage actually mean?
2: There's so many terms in insurance and full coverage, to be honest, is common collision. Put them together. Effectively, when the finance company, the bank, has you driving off of the lot there, the vehicle is not yours. It's theirs. And so the reason that they require you to have full coverage is They want to make sure that if that asset that they own, the vehicle, gets into an accident, it's insured. That's why they want you to make sure that you have those coverages. It's to protect them. Once you come off of the loan, you're free to do whatever you want. That's why often when people have vehicles that are six, seven, eight years old, at that point in time, the vehicle's value is quite low. And you get into accidents very infrequently. And so use myself as an example. I love my old car. It's now nine years old. I don't have comp and collision on it anymore. It's just not worth it. It's only worth a couple thousand dollars. And if I get into an accident, it's probably time to get a new one anyway.
1: So how do you determine when that time has come where you should lower your coverage? There's no
2: perfect answer to that equation. Again, it comes back to your own financial situation. How much can you afford to pay there? You know, If if you were to get into an accident right now, and yeah, you might have a, a vehicle that's worth four thousand dollars. Can you go get a new one right now, or used one, uh, in a one? If you can't, then you may say, "I'm going to be quite conservative, and I'm going to keep those coverages." So, at a minimum, you know, I can get my car repaired or declared a total loss, and I can get all the the value of the vehicle back. But that's an individual by individual situation. I'll just give the heuristic that as it gets older, drop the deductibles. Once it passes a certain point for me, it was eight years old. That's when I dropped comp and collision off my vehicle.
1: Now, you've already talked about some of the add ons that can be worth the money as far as insurance, like, you know, having the rental car option and things like that. But, you know, there's, I mean, people consider insurance a necessary evil. So we tend to want to spend as little on it as possible. But there's an old adage that you get what you pay for. So we've talked about some of the good things that are add ons. Are there any others that are good? And then tell us about some of them that some Some insurance companies may want to push on you to get that extra buck, but they're really not worth it.
2: Okay. There's lots of questions there. So let me sort of unpack them a little bit. Uh, We went through the coverages, so I'll skip that. The shopping part, again, is what I come back to. As you said, this is the only product I'm aware of that both the buyer and seller hope it's never used. It's really a bizarre product. You think Amazon wants you to buy all kinds of stuff on there, and then they want you to use it so you'll come back and buy it again. Not insurance. The insurance company doesn't want to use it. And last time I checked, most people don't want to get into accidents. So that's sort of the, the adage there. So you gotta go out and shop. You gotta go out and then make sure that you're getting the right product for the right price from the right company. Now, embedded in your question there was, well, you know, what should I not buy? you see lots of ads where they're talking about bells and whistles. And I I describe them as bells and whistles where it's accident forgiveness. It's the first claim is waived. It's diminishing deductible. There's all kinds of different names for these things. Now they promote them in their ads, but most of the insurance companies charge you for them. They're not free. And most of those, when you do the math, don't make sense. For those that are very, very conservative, they make sense because you say, oh, I just want every, every protection I can get. Okay, if you're willing to overspend a bit, go get those extra coverages. I wouldn't buy any of those. I'll take them for free, but I wouldn't buy any of them. Now, you talk a little bit about the insurance companies and, you know, if it's too good to be true, you know, what if I'm, I'm out there and I see Acme Insurance Company? Well, you know, do I trust Acme? It's amusing when we go into focus groups for Compare.com and we ask consumers, you know, who would you consider? And the list they'll give you is Geico, followed by Progressive, followed by State Farm, followed by Allstate. And those four companies have a very interesting distinction. They are by far the largest advertisers. Now, advertising is not free. So your knowledge or awareness of those insurance companies come from the fact that they're running advertisements that they then ultimately charge you in the premium of the insurance policy. So we really encourage people to look at those companies because they're all excellent insurance companies. But there's all kinds of insurance companies out there that you may not have heard of that are actually outstanding. And some of them have stellar reputations for their claim service. And you know, we want to make sure and introduce you to the big names that you know, and then names that you don't know so well, but you maybe should get to know. I'll use a couple examples. Amica Insurance, a panel member of ours, based out of Rhode Island, and they get awards all the time for how good an insurance company they are. But people don't know them as well. Those are the examples of an insurance company. That if you come on Compare.com, you'll see a quote from them as well. And it can help you ultimately make the right decision for you, which is the right brand, the right price, the right product.
1: I would think that part of the concern with smaller insurance companies would be that maybe they won't be there. I mean, these big insurance companies have been around for years and years and years. And if we pick a smaller one, maybe it'll fold up and go away and then we lose our coverage. Is that a concern that makes sense?
2: Well, as you're sitting here explaining, it makes intuitive sense. Oh, I'm worried that they're not going to be there. It is nearly impossible for that to happen. So let me take a step back, and I'll get into the insurance details for a second. Insurance companies are regulated state by state. And those regulators, their primary job, uh, along with making sure customers are treated fairly in all their processes, is to make sure that these insurance companies are solvent, that they won't go out of business, that they have money there to pay claims if and when they happen, if, which is incredibly rare, if an insurance company were for whatever reason to not be able to pay its claims, all the other insurance companies that operate in that state are obliged to cover those losses. So you as a consumer, it is nearly impossible for your fair and accurate claim to not be paid. So from that standpoint, when you start to think, well, okay, so from that standpoint, if, if there's no chance of them going out of business, it's a got price, then it's customer service. Okay, I'll use my insurance company as an example. My wife and I have had ours for 20 years. CEO of Compare.com, let me be clear. I shop my insurance all the time, but I haven't found a better deal. And so we've had the same insurance company for 20 years, and we've had one claim, a roof claim. And so it went just fine. But people had asked me, this was two years ago, those first 18 years, do you have a good insurance company? And many people will answer, oh, yeah, mine's great. And my answer back to them is, really? All they've done is taken your money. And you'll get that stunned look from them. Well, actually, you're right. They have effectively delivered bills and taken money out of my credit card or checking account. So people get the halo effect, a good feeling about their insurance company because they've had them for a long time. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're really good or they're really bad. The big insurance companies can be great. The small insurance companies can be great. You can have a terrible claims experience with a big one. You can have a terrible claims experience with a small one. You just need to go out there and check. And this is a great opportunity for you to check customer ratings online. This is one where it's great to talk to family and friends. But look for those that have had real bad experiences, as I would describe it, where they can say not, oh, my insurance company is good. And many of them will be answering, yeah, they just took my money for the last 10 years without
1: any problems. So definitely the moral of the story, again, is to shop around and they can definitely do that on your website. Now, tell us more about Compare.com just really quickly and the services you provide. Does it go beyond a platform for somebody to compare prices?
2: Well, that's that's where we start. I mean, our main goal, our main drive is for you to be able to find one spot where you can enter your information one time and then get lots of prices back. We even want to leave it up to you to figure out exactly how you want to purchase. Some people like to do it over the phone. Some want to do it on the web. Some want to talk to an agent. But at least they're now informed. They're knowledgeable. They have the information that is going to empower them to get the right price for them. The other part that is really valuable about Compare.com is you go through this process and your information is stored. And six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, come back log back in, your information is secure, and just push one button, requote, and we'll go back out to those insurance companies and you can check and see. So not only do we speed it up for you the first time, we make it really easy for you to keep up to date, to find out, has anything changed? We'll age your vehicles, we'll age your violations, we'll age you as a driver. You'll have to update us if you have any new addresses or God forbid somebody's got a, a new speeding ticket or accident, those kinds of things. But we want to be there to make it really easy for you to get the right deal for you.
1: Nice. And it's also good to know that it's a site that could provide all of these different options that you may not even be aware of. I mean, I've probably heard of 10 insurance companies and there's hundreds out there, I'm sure.
2: Exactly. I mean, you say 10. It's amazing. In our focus groups, we ask people, say, name all the insurance companies you know. And when they get past five, you start everybody looking around the room, looking at each other going, "Uh, who else have I seen an ad for? And it's amazing. That's what they go. It's like they're reference point is, who have I seen an ad for? And there are so many insurance companies. Now, when we we mention them, we say, well, have you thought about getting a quote from MetLife? Oh, no, but I know them. I know MetLife. That's a big name. Have you thought about getting a quote from Travelers? Oh, yeah, yeah. Travelers. I've heard of them before. They're quite good. So it's that unprompted awareness and prompted awareness. Compare.com gives you those that you know as well as those that you don't. And then you decide.
1: Andrew, great information. Thank you so much for all of your time and knowledge today. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for saving us all a lot of money.
2: That's our goal at Compare.com. We want you to find that right product, but at the right price.
0: Thanks again. Our guest professor today has been Andrew Rose, president and CEO of Compare.com. Visit his website to shop for the best rates on auto insurance.
1: Who knew that so many factors impact your insurance rates? I was especially surprised by the credit score. Andrew certainly gave me a lot to think about when my policy comes up for renewal in December. If you value the green, if you save as you go, wealth is closer than it seems, and you can make that cash flow. Welcome to Saving Secrets, where we share super easy and ready-to-use savings tips you may not have heard before. If you've got saving secrets you'd like to share, email me, Bobby B-O-B-B-I, at sensiblechat.com, and I'll share your tip in an upcoming episode. Today's saving secret is save the cash back rewards from your credit card. Instead of using it for impromptu online shopping, have a savings goal for that money. If you're carrying debt, let the rewards build up to a designated amount, like $100, and then make an extra payment towards your debt. I used to save mine for Christmas shopping, but I recently found the Fidelity Rewards card which I love because now I can auto-deposit my cash back rewards into an IRA. Since I'm not able to max out my 401k at work, this is a great way to put a little extra aside for retirement. You can also contribute the cash back to a 529 college savings plan. I love it. Of course, as I've mentioned many times before, any rewards a credit card offers are not worth it if you can't pay off the balance each month. Think about it. Some cards give you up to 5% cash back for certain purchases, right? I haven't heard any higher amount than that, but even if it is higher, does it ever get as high as 14%? That's the average interest rate for an existing credit card, according to Wallet Hub. So never, ever let the cash back rewards entice you to overspend on your credit card. That's my saving secret. If you've got one to share, I'd love to hear it. Drop me an email, Bobby B-O-B-B-I, at sensiblechat.com, and I'll share it on an upcoming episode. I'm really excited about the next episode. I'm going to be talking to Nick Stouler. He wrote a book called The Truth Shall Set Your Wallet Free. What a great title. And his book is aimed at debunking the myths that prevent people from achieving their wealth goals. He's also the founder and CEO of MyPerfectFinancialAdvisor.com, which is a matchmaking service for people to find the right financial advisor at any income level. In the meantime, here we are at the end of September, which is what Scott refers to as the holiday quarter. Can you believe we're there already? If you're stressing about the holidays coming up and all the expenses that come with them, go back and listen to the very first episode of this podcast from last September titled How to Survive the Financial Madness of the Holiday Quarter. You can find all the episodes on the podcast page at our website, sensiblechat.com or check out Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, iHeartMedia, or anywhere else you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And remember to leave a rating and review for this podcast. I'd love to know what you think. Until next time, keep spending and saving the sensible way.
0: That wraps up another episode of Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby. If you need help with your budget or want to share your thoughts, reach out to her through the contact page at sensiblechat.com. While you're there, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play.